Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and as always, I'm excited to be talking some Colorado Rockies baseball with you. And as has been the case so far in this early offseason, the Rockies continue to make small but arguably significant moves, at least when they're all added together, right? Uh, they're, they're doing some interesting things here around the edges of the roster and the organization that are again worth talking about, both in terms of what they do in and of themselves, but also what they might tell us about what the Rockies are thinking, what they're doing, and, and, and what they're trying to accomplish in this offseason and where they're trying to what track they're trying to put the team on moving forward right and so again there were there was one of these low-level trades I, I hate calling it low level but it's certainly you know not the Nolan Arenado trade or whatever not a blockbuster thing not not star players um, really prospect for prospect in a way the Rockies move out a player that I know they liked actually uh, uh, quite a bit I've talked to plenty of people sort of around the organization, a couple of people who, who you know, really thought this guy had, had a great skill set, low, low strikeout rate, uh, really good contact numbers, but still pretty good walk numbers and, and was starting to show some pop, really good athlete, can steal some bases, uh, pretty good defender uh, up the middle, mostly at second base, not in a shortstop, shortstop, you know, but a pretty good player. And, uh, you know, his WRC plus numbers have been 143, 126, 130. So, well, you know, comfortably above average, you know, young player. But the highest level he's been to is A-ball. He's 20 years old, right? He's quite a bit further away. And so that seems to be a big part of what this trade was. They send him out. He goes to Cleveland and from the Guardians organization returns Nolan Jones, who is an interesting profile player as well. Now, he's a corner guy, outfielder or infielder. He's six foot four, big guy, right? Uh, so Juan Brito is like a, one of those, you know, 5'10", uh, up the middle, athletic infielders. And Nolan Jones is the opposite, right? He's a corner guy, can play some third base, can play some left field or some right field. Uh, humongous arm strength. Um, his... His baseball savant page doesn't have a lot of relevant information on it yet because he's only played 28 games at the major league level, but that's one thing to note, and I'll get back to that. He has played at the major league level, but one thing that he has shown and displayed throughout his minor league career is like one thing that popped off the, the profile chart when I was looking this guy up. His arm is apparently ridiculous, so whether you're playing him in at third base occasionally, which we're going to get into all this, like when, uh, or, or right field or, or left field again, when, uh, th there, there's going to be a, that skill is going to come in handy. Uh, certainly the other thing that this seems to be about is an attempt to get more power. We've talked about this a lot, how the Rockies have been very open about how they haven't been happy with their power output, uh, over the last, certainly during this last year, and really over the last couple of years, they need to hit more home runs. Uh, you know, now Jones is one of these guys who's strikes out a lot, uh, kind of a 30% for his minor league career, sometimes 26% in here, 24, 26, but a couple of 30s. And then in his time at the big leagues, 33%. Right now he has drawn his walks throughout his minor league career too. And we've talked about this with other players like Michael Tolia, how that can be a differentiating factor between being able to, to be a quality 
offensive player and, you know, sort of slipping into that Sam Hilliard trap where your tools, your best tools never get to show out because you just can't get on base and guys aren't going to throw you anything to hit over the wall if you can't lay off the junk in the dirt. But if you can and you're willing and able to take your walks and lay off the stuff that's close and wait for your pitch, which is something that Nolan Jones has thrown in, shown an ability to do throughout his career, then maybe you've got something here. Like I said earlier, he's already made his major league debut. He's 24 years old, so that seems to be a part of this. The Rockies, you know, trying to get better in the immediate. Uh, as we've often said, as much as people want them, some people want them to tear down and, and rebuild, they've, they've always said they're never going to do that. And so one of the things that you do have to be a little bit more open to in that case is trading from some of your younger prospect pool. Uh, you, you never know. This one could come back. Juan Brito could become a, a star player for Cleveland. He, he could also never make it to the big leagues, right? That's just one of those you, you don't know. Uh, right now, he's, he's got a profile that looks a lot like Rymal Tapia's did when he was in the minors. And he made it to the bigs and unfortunately just recently got released. I hope he gets picked up somewhere. But stuff like you, you, you never really know, right? In fact, Nolan Jones minor league stats are really fantastic. If we just begin in A ball, which is where Brito is right now, his WRC plus numbers, 147, 162 the next year in high A, double A, uh, oh, 157, another half a season in high A. Then he goes up to double A. He 147, triple A, a 113, and then a 122. And then he was, over his 28 games, he hit 244, but again, that on-base ability. So he on-based 309. Didn't quite find the slugging yet at the major league level, only 372. But he did hit a pair of home runs, uh, drove in a, a few, what is it, 13, and put up the WRC plus number of 93. So... The Rockies got themselves. Now, this is what's weird, right? This appears to be just the move on its face value. Uh, His raw power, by the way, according to Fangraphs, is a 70. His game power, 50-60. So they see home run ability here. This is a guy who, you know, throughout his minor league uh, career, uh, again, last year in AAA, uh, he hit... Well, it, 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 he moved between levels, so it can be a little bit difficult. But in 2021 in AAA, he hit 13 home runs in 99 games, right? Uh, and and the again, the projections see more of it in there. Um, he does bat left-handed, so that's a, a big factor here. Uh, the Rockies are very right-handed heavy, uh, particularly in their outfield, but their lineup, uh, if you don't have like Zach Veen in it or whatever, and, and that's another thing we'll talk about, was getting very right-handed heavy. And so this is fascinating because it makes their major league roster immediately better. It, it raises the floor, but they also seem to have a lot of these guys who are in this area who play roughly the same positions a lot of them outfielders some of them can also play a little bit of corner infield with jones at third again with tolio you can put them at first but you should put them at first base when you can cj crone is there for now but this gets really fascinating people were asking me on twitter today about the this kind of weird outfield mess where especially now if zach veen is going to he, he just destroyed fall league in arizona and you know he's going to come into spring training with all kinds of momentum and if he plays extraordinarily well there's going to be every reason to want to to put him on the roster and not just put him on the roster but put him on the roster and play him 
though that makes things a little bit interesting too. We've talked before about how he can play center field. He hasn't yet in the Rockies minor league system. And I think that has more to do with keeping his legs fresh and also a, a preference to have him be a corner guy. Uh, the same way they had a preference for Carlos Gonzalez to be a corner guy throughout his career. But when they needed to, or especially early on, they did have him play some center because he was more than capable, as is Zach Veen. And under this situation, that may be the way to go, which which really does beg the question, where are you putting Nolan Jones? For right now, he slots in for me as a, a pretty solid depth piece here where if it pans out more, again, that power starts to show if you do have another injury, you know, obviously you're you're really hoping that Chris Bryant isn't the one who gets injured again. But if, you know, you never know uh, or, or Tolio really doesn't pan out or, you know, because right now I've got him slotted basically as your opening day right fielder. Again, if Crone isn't traded, but if Crone is traded and Tolio moves to first, now you've got an interesting place to start slotting in guys like Zach Veen. Uh, Nolan Jones for some at, bat, uh, at bats and and stuff like that. What happens to Jonathan Daza? What's going to happen to Randall Grichik, uh, Connor Joe? I think Charlie Blackman's just a DH at this point. But I think essentially this is my long way of saying some trades almost certainly have to be coming. And there's a lot of different ways that you can solve this, quote, problem of having kind of too many guys who are capable major league outfielders. Um, but... Obviously, you, you you want to be able to trade something to get some pitching because you need pitching. And you can't play all. There's only three spots out there. <laughs> you can't play them all, right? In a scenario where Zach Veen isn't ready to go for opening day, which, by the way, is the most likely scenario. And as fun as that is to think of him having a Trevor Story-like spring training and, and joining the opening day roster, it would also then be quite a bit to ask him to say to lead off and play center field and like be a driving engine for this new Rockies offense. Like it's one thing, right? And again, Trevor Story kind of did a lot of that his rookie year, but you never know. But what is Ezekiel Tovar going to be able to accomplish at shortstop? Maybe he becomes a guy who can do some lead off and athleticism things for you. Again, he has to develop a lot and show us that. But if Veen's not going to be there, there's still this interesting question about center field and, and whether Daza is is the right guy there. He's obviously the right guy defensively. Uh, Grichik, you know, it would have been nice to have seen a bit more out of that, right? There's Again, there's nothing wrong with either Daza or Grichik, but knowing that you've only got these three spots... Again, I think that's something where you look into trading one or both of those guys. Hampson is another one who I think is a is a trade candidate because there's too many of them that just kind of play at that same basic wins. If we're talking in terms of wins above replacement, of, of war, right? Those guys all basically seem to have the same capability right now. In different ways, they're all getting there in slightly different ways, but it's roughly the same number, which isn't that high, and you need to be trying to push your production at these spots to a higher spot, especially when you have all these other players. And so, you know, one of the guys that they protected had him as a, a guest on this show earlier in the year, Brenton Doyle. Another outfielder, right-hander, but with some power, some pop, especially gap-to-gap. And Sean Bouchard is another one. There's another name to put in here, right? And and he was arguably showed the best of 
any of these guys down the stretch very quietly was very, very good at the major league level for the Rockies. So I think a couple of these players are going to get traded for pitching. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see who. You can start from some of those last guys that I mentioned that have the least amount of prospect shine and you feel like maybe they're quadruple A guys and so you trade them for some relief pitching. That would be guys like Bouchard maybe. Uh, if you think, hey, that, that's maybe the best he's going to be, let's let's pounce on it now. Or if you think that's the beginning of something, you don't want to do that. Maybe you feel like you've seen enough from Joe. Uh, I, I mentioned Hampson. Uh, Grichik, you know, maybe you feel like, hey, that was a fun one-year experiment. We we got something out of him from Tapia, who ended up getting DFA'd anyway, so that wins a trade. Maybe, you know, you kick the can down if someone eats a little bit more money, you'll have to eat some of the contract. But if you feel like you can do a little bit better than that, maybe you can get a pitcher for Randall Grichik. Or, or maybe Jonathan Daza showed another team that actually feels good about their power situation, but not so good about their contact situation. And and you've got a nice little partnership there where the Rockies, you know, Daza had a good year. He's a very good defender. He's a very good contact here. The thing is, he's just a maximum two home runs a year kind of guy. And he did go into a couple of slumps. And, and when contact is your thing, you can't do that at Coors Field. So, you know, I, I think they've basically, without saying it, come out and, and said, we need to do better that, than that in center field. And that's that's a tough beat for Daza. But in that case... You know, maybe you like him as a as a fourth outfielder. He does have a certain nice profile where you can bring him as a runner off the bench and as a defensive uh, defensive replacement late in games in any of the three outfield spots. So if you're worried at all about the plantar fasciitis moving forward with Chris Bryant, you know, so you, a guy like Daza being on the roster, if you're not going to get much for him as a is a good fourth outfielder type. But again, you need to decide who that fourth outfielder is because it can't be Daza and Hampson and Bouchard and Brenton Doyle. And then once Zach Veen gets there, he leapfrogs all of those guys. So so some you need to get what you can for these players. And it's going to be a bummer to see some of them go uh, because all of them have potential. And you're, you're taking your best educated guess, hoping that you're not moving out the guy who, you know, it really clicks for. But they've got to make the decisions. Now, if it was up to me, again, I, you, you've kind of got to put Zach Veen in a different category here and let him develop into and hope that he can become a star player and put him in whatever the best position is for him to develop. I hate to say it, but for me, I feel like I've seen enough of Connor Joe. Love Connor Joe. And enough of Garrett Hampson to feel comfortable trading them for whatever you can get, preferably pitching. If it's both of them together for a reliever, whatever you can do to get something for those guys, I think should be done. Especially with Hampson going into arbitration and probably getting slightly more expensive. And and if you get down to that point, you may be in a situation where you just end up cutting the guy so you don't have to pay him. And you'd obviously rather, you know, get something for him. And he does have a skill set that other teams, I think, would find valuable, right? Can play multiple positions, pretty good defender, incredible base runner. It just hasn't worked out for him at the plate. I feel similarly with Joe. The power just hasn't developed and they need to hit more home runs. Uh, to, to say it as simply as possible again. And, and I don't think that Joe is going to help them do that where I could see, 
you know, giving a guy like this, this new guy, Nolan Jones, the opportunity to let that power shine through where Joe had the ability to get into one every once in a while, but he didn't have, you know, anywhere close to elite raw power, right? Now, Sam Hilliard had that elite raw power and, and he got moved out for pitching. And so you bring in another guy who, you know, you, you hope is a better version of what you were, you were hoping to get out of, of Hilliard. But, there's too many outfielders, man. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. That's that's too many outfielders, right? I think they're they, they feel pretty good about their infield. Now, like I said, you don't even necessarily if you love all of those outfielders. I've heard a few people say this because because that was like the lower end of what you can do. If you're trading out guys like Hampson or Daza or Connor Joe or uh, Sean Bouchard, even really or or even like Brenton Doyle, as much as I think he could be a thing. There's not a lot of uh, value in in him as a prospect at this time until you know he maybe shows something so you're not going to get a ton for those guys right you might be able to get better roster setup if you're just moving position player for pitcher but you're probably not getting a, a great pitcher you're hoping you can get a decent pitcher but if you did want to go the other way they could entertain a few other ideas like trading one of Montero, Tolia, or Crone. These all come with some some high risk reward valuations, right? This can be difficult because there's a big negative side to moving any of those players. With Crone, he's the one that almost certainly gets you the best return right now. As much as he didn't end the year on a huge tear, he was an all-star. He's now put together several seasons in a row where he's been a well above league average hitter in terms of the the power and the on-base and all the stuff. And and he's shown, now that he's gotten the opportunity in Colorado more than anywhere else to play defense, the numbers bear out that he's a pretty good defender as well. And he was kind of forced into a DH role before. So arguably, Crone is as valuable a commodity as he's ever been. Now, the team loves him, and he loves the team, and he has a leadership role on the team, and I think he has an integral role to play on the offense. If your goal is to get immediately better this next season, it's hard to see how trading C.J. Crone helps you do that. I get the argument that, again, he's got the value, and if you move him, you might be able to get some pretty good pitching. Like, maybe you get a number three starter for him, which really helps you solidify your rotation, which takes a ton of pressure off of the bullpen, right? I, I, and then you have Michael Tolia slide right in and play first base, which clears up a little bit of room. Now Now you've got an, an opening day right fielder position to f- fill, and eventually Zach Veen's going to take over that, and some of these other guys, whether it's Bouchard gets hit the chance in the meantime, or Doyle gets the chance in the meantime, or maybe Jonathan Daza gets a little more playing time if, if he's your guy, or if you think Connor Joe, whatever it is, right? You you can give that player some opportunity if you're taking Tolia and making him your everyday first baseman. But I worry about what that does to the offense. We can project Tolia to be a pretty good player. And I think he's, you know, there's some pluses that he's going to strike out a lot. I've talked a lot before. I think he's going to be a good on-base guy. I think he's going to hit a decent number of home runs. The strikeouts are going to follow him. And so it's really going to be a fine line between, you know, can he be Joey Gallo or is he going to be Sam Hilliard? Is he going to be, right? There's, there's, it's, it's a tough 
line to walk. Um, or if Montero is your guy. You say, okay, well, well, Tolia, still you can have him as a roaming guy. He's got great defense and athleticism, good on-base ability, so maybe right field and first base something, but maybe your everyday first baseman in the event you trade Crone is Elijeris Montero. And I think that would be a reasonable thing as well. I think he's got a a great ceiling for his bat. But I, I again, if you just think, like, do you think Montero is going to be an all-star hitter next season? I think it's possible, but that but a long shot. Whereas Crone is an all-star hitter. And you need a guy like that anchoring your lineup if you're trying to be good right away. So for me, as much as Crone is enticing to move, especially like you've got to be really all in on the young guys. That's what I'll say. If you're going to trade CJ Crone, you've got to have belief that not only will Tolia and Montero really step in and be plus, you, you know, if we're talking literally in terms of OPS plus or WRC plus, they have to be 100 and up guys, right? But Rogers and McMahon need to get over that 100 as well, where they've kind of stagnated right at. They need to be 105, 110 type players as well. And you are going to need a bump from an eventual Zach Veen or somebody like that, because Daza, especially at Coors Field with no pop, is never going to be 100. Same problem with Tapia, right? He's never going to be a a league average OPS plus guy. And so you're just not getting enough production. If you're, you're, if you don't have the superstar player or two star hitters, which if you've got a healthy Cronin and Bryant, I think you've got two star veteran hitters who are going to give you the 120 OPS plus and up. Right. And then you have this cavalcade of guys who can be maybe a 110. But you're not sure who. Montero with one of the better opportunities. Rogers, I think, is certainly headed in the right direction. And like I've said before, maybe Zach Veen once he gets there. But you're going to need to move somebody for pitching. You could uh, you could go the other way and say Tolia and Montero are too big a projects. As much as Crone is the veteran guy, let's invest in him long-term since we know what we've got like him as a leader as well and pick the one between Tolia and Montero that you like the best to keep and trade the other one which opens up more playing time for the other guy and again allows you to get some desperately needed pitching because I think both Tolia and Montero have a decent amount of prospect value certainly a lot more than some of those other outfielders I was talking about before there's a lot of options here for the Rockies the one thing they can't do is nothing. If you show up at spring training with all of these guys still on the roster and you haven't made... I mean, if they've signed a bunch of pitchers, it, it lessens the issue. If you, if you show up with all of these guys and they say, hey, and we've also got a whole bunch of new pitchers. But right now, the 40-man roster is at 38 without Zach Veen on it. So they, they don't have a ton of room without making trades to add pitching, actually. So yeah, I'm just going to uh, take back the caveat I, I was throwing in there and go right back to the statement. They can't do nothing. They've got to make a few trades here because they've got, essentially, it's just too many, if you want to pull back and really think about it as business-like as possible, too many assets of one type and not enough of the others. You need more pitchers and you can't play all these outfielders. So... They need to be on the phones 
trying to figure out who has value around the league and, and trying to ask themselves the questions I, w- I was talking about today. And, and I'd be very curious to hear everyone else's opinions on it. Like, because there's both sides of that, right? If you think about in terms of like just Crone and Tolia, right? Maybe Tolia turns into that guy. And in a best case scenario, you trade Crone, you get some great pitching help in here. Tolia and or Montero basically make up for the loss of Crone at first base. And then you've got much better pitching and Zach Veen turns into a star player and Ezekiel Tovar turns into uh, at least, you know, maybe a 110, 115 guy with also the gold glove defense. Now all of a sudden you've got several star players on this team. Like that's your best case scenario in a trade of Crone. And, and that's actually probably the best case scenario for solving this puzzle. But I also think that that's less likely to work out in your favor than you know that Crone can really be an addition to your team. I love both Tolia and Montero and Veen and Tovar. But they haven't proven anything yet. Not yet. And until they do, it might be best to hang on to those veterans. So if it was up to me... I would be clearing out a lot of these, dare I say, sort of quadruple A or replacement level guys who mostly are really great guys with some pretty interesting skill sets. But if you can get anything for Joe, Hampson, Bouchard, Daza, get something for him. And then if you end up in a situation where Crone's playing well, but in... in probably more limited time, Tolia and Montero are also proving that they need the at-bats. You can still make that trade. But I would want to start next year with CJ Crone on the roster because I don't see how you go into next year with a better lineup if you move him. As much as I understand, like, again, you better be all in on one of these young guys if that's your play. Nothing wrong with that necessarily. But I'd be curious to hear what you think. Trade Crone? Trade one of Tolia or Montero? Or move out some of these outfielders? Love to hear what you think. Hit me up in the uh, Discord if you've got access to that. Just hit me up on the the DMs on Twitter if you you don't know about all that. Or just talk to me on Twitter. That's always a good place to do it. Matt Drew Creaseman. You can also... Find all the other stuff at Mile High Sports and on milehighsports.com for all the written content. Check out all the other podcasts, radio station, all that stuff. You guys know what it is. Appreciate you all for being absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark.